This is kind of a big deal because we just hit 2,000 unique listens on the Misadventurous podcast. So if you're listening to this now, hopefully it'll be your second time. But if you've stumbled across this, congratulations. You have contributed to the 2,000 unique listens. So thank you very much. And I'd love it if you'd hit subscribe and leave us a cheeky review. It's hard to think that eight months ago I started this podcast and I'm all already at 2,000 unique listens from all over the world. Shout outs to you if you're in Croatia, Spain, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, or anywhere else in the world. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate every single one of you. And my goal is to get to 10,000 unique listens by the end of the year. We're three months into the year. So I've got nine months to get 8,000 more listens. If you want to help me out, tell your friends about this podcast because word of mouth is the coolest and best way to share my story and to share what's going on in this Misadventurous podcast. And if you're digging it, it's really going to be a massive difference to me. If you just tell one person how cool you think the Miss Adventurous podcast is. Thank you. I love you. This week's episode is going to once again sound different from the norm as I start evolving the Miss Adventurous podcast and sharing with you the things that occur to me in the way that they do. So first of all, you are going to hear from an incredible broadcaster. Her name is Natasha Apolloni. She's a local Illawarian, so from the New South Wales, Illawarra, South Coast. She's the chief of staff at Nine News Illawarra. She's a journalist. She's a reporter. She's an incredible powerhouse. And it's really interesting to look at her values and where she is in life. She was about to get married when we had this chat, and she's got some pretty big family values. Now, she's only one year older than me, and I think it's really important to share her story because it just illustrates the fact that there are so many different ways that you can see life and walks of life that build up different people. Now, although she's a woman, she's got a very different view on life to what I have and what I've shared with you in the past. And I really respect that. And I love what she's working towards, how far she's come and where she's going to go because of who she is. So you're going to get that, Chad, but you're also going to get a brand new thing that I'm calling call screaming. Now, this happens to me quite a lot. I've got a very easy to remember phone number. Because of that, I get a lot of telemarketer calls. I get a lot of spam. And the reason that I wanted to share them with you is because I've started making a game of it. I've started making fun of it because it happens to me so frequently that I want to actually have a little bit of fun with this and share it with you. So you're going to get lots of different cuts from different phone calls that have happened over the past few months. But I'll explain that a little bit later. Let's get into my chat with Natasha Apolloni. Welcome to Misadventurous with me, Tiffany Rouge, a colour lover who's filling out the grey area that we call life with stories of mindfulness and positivity to help you live a more colourful life and help you unlock your mind so that you can be adventurous too. I'm definitely in love with my job. Well, that's awesome because it's kind of a good place where I want to start. It's, <laughs> it can be a good or a bad thing, depends yeah. who you're talking to, but I'm obsessed. Like that's... even to the point of... 
I listen to the scanners on, you know, scanner apps that'll tell you when emergency situations are unbreaking so you can hear the ambos or the fireys. If I hear a siren, my ears prick up. Sometimes I'll follow them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. like absolute love oh, of the story. Obsession, and... love of the story, yeah. No, family's also a massive one. I'm a big family girl. That's why I'm back here yeah, working right. in the gong. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I'd be gallivanting across Australia or the world or doing God knows what. So you've lived other places then? Yeah, so I moved back to Wollongong now almost three oh, three years. Is that gone? That's gone so quickly. Yeah. So I was living on the Sunshine Coast. So I had an opportunity up there to present for Queensland, um, for parts of Queensland, and I was based on the Sunshine Coast, which is beautiful. Mm. Um, I always said I retired at the age of 25. Because Amazing. it never really felt like you were working up there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, my partner was down here and we um, did a long-distance relationship for the whole entire time. And everyone around me was, like, starting families and I had, like, nine weddings in one year and it was just getting too much. I felt like I was missing out on too much back here and I grew up in Wollongong and I think it's a great place to bring up a family. So I thought it was time to come back and lay some roots. So you'll stay here, you reckon? I think I'll stay here. I always – because I work up in Sydney now um, on weekends and I did a stint for 10 months and I love – the city life if you're living in there, but when you're commuting, uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, no way. No, I think we take for granted how lucky we are. Mm. Like just to get places in split seconds, you know, the cost of homes, where you can live. Parking. Parking. And I think what taught me to appreciate the slower life is living in Queensland because mm. they take everything very slow up there. Yeah. <laughs> very mm. chilled. So I learned a lesson up there and came back and just thought, no, I don't know if I could do the city full time. But never say never. <laughs> Ever. Right now, this is what I need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to notice that and go, actually, appreciate where you are. Yeah, definitely. I've had a few family members get quite ill Mm. recently as well, and that puts things into perspective. But I think we always get told you have to push forward, strive for your career goals, the city's where you need to be. But sometimes you are even a bigger person to step back and go, hold on, no, I'm going to sacrifice that part of my life. So the other element of my life, be it family or health, prevails because I think we all forget that we need to look after that side of ourselves as well. Mm. Otherwise you can get lost because you see, especially in our industry and spending times in the metro markets, these beautiful, intelligent women who have the roles that you aspire your whole career. They're not married. Mm. They're like single, with a dog. They're at the office 24-7 and they have nothing else and they're constantly craving and telling you how much they want that family life. So they've sacrificed Mm. all that to have the career. Is it worth it at the end? don't know. It's really interesting looking at it and being a woman and and seeing that as well because how old are you? I'm 29. Okay. Turning 30 in October. All right. Well, there's not big of a gap between us, right? But (laughs) I'm 28 and I don't have that want to settle down right now. Like I'm quite opposite in that sense. Like I'm happy to sort of, you know, like the family, the kids, the health issues. I haven't had any of that happen to me yet. And it's a very interesting perspective because I think you've hit the nail on the head because as a woman you have this like, do I want this career? Do Mm. I, especially in media, do I want to be able to get really far, get to a metro market or do I want to actually enjoy my life, which Mm. is what you seem to have gone, "Mm." 
hang on a second, what is enjoying my life? I think because I got the opportunity at an early age to reach that goal, I always wanted to be a presenter, so I had a taste of what it was and was like, it's amazing, it's great to lead a bulletin, it's such a privilege, but then I thought, is this all it is? You spend your whole time wanting to be that and aspire to that and you sit there and you go, actually, you know what, there's more to life than this. And I enjoy my role here because I get to mentor a group of young journos or interns that come in and new cameramen and editors and guide them. So there's more that I'm getting from my job here than I would if I was to be, you know, one of 10 reporters in Sydney all vying for that top spot. Mm. So I get more out of my job here, but then I still get to dabble up there as well. So my stories go to air in Sydney. I get to do live crosses. So I'm still getting stretched in what I do that I'm not bored. So I've kind of got the best of both worlds at the moment. How long it'll last? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get to Chief of Staff? a news broadcaster how did that happen a lot of blood sweat and tears and unpaid hours (laughs) girl I feel (laughs) you so I started work experience from the age of 15 16 like I did a bit of a work experience here for a couple of weeks but I started at the age of 15 I knew what I wanted to do to the point that when it was time to apply for a uni degree I put all my eggs in one basket wow I just put in for the Bachelor of Journalism which was such a baby course it was in year two of its existence I got the letter and broke down in tears on my front lawn because I was like thank god (laughs) the risk paid off I got in and then I did an internship with the Illawarra Mercury actually and what we all know as Win TV and then I ended up getting a full-time job in broadcast television which was both radio and TV so I did news in both and had half a week in one half a week in the other. Was this in Illawarra? Yeah yeah and then from that I realized that I really love broadcast because it was a bit more creative and you could sort of shape your story with the pictures and the emotion was there, like you could physically see it. So I decided that's where I wanted to be and just persevered and obviously as a reporter you start off green doing stories about someone who turned 100 or the dog that got stuck down the drain and you really got to work and earn your stripes until you can get to the position where it's definitely about time. So really building your portfolio of the stories that you've done, the contacts that you build. And then I eventually, by chance again, the position came up to be the presenter in Queensland. I remember the date had already passed for admissions for resumes to put in for the position. And I thought, you know what? This is one of the sayings that I'll always go by in life, 30 seconds of courage. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I've enough had enough experience and my dad always said just have 30 seconds of courage just go in there you just need 30 seconds to say what you have to say the worst answer is no and then at least you can scratch that itch and say you had the courage to at least ask and I've taken that on board and <laughs> That's led me to presenting, then coming back to Sydney, and that's when I worked for Channel 7 in Sydney. And just having that 30 seconds of courage from producing, I moved to reporting to then I was doing live crosses on Sunrise. Then I realised that I wanted to be back down here, so I wasn't spending 16 hours a day working on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted a bit more lifestyle. So again, 30 seconds of courage, 
applied for this role and got the role as yeah chief of staff. So yeah, it's been a fun adventure. <laughs> and it's amazing that at 29, you're chief of staff. I don't know what the age peak. To me, that sounds really good. At the end of the day, I've had nine years in the industry. I've got a few years under my belt and people don't realise that. But you do see it is a young industry as well. I don't know. The age, it does vary. It varies from newsroom to newsroom. All my chief of staffs have been older than me and usually in their late 30s to 40s. It seems like yeah. it, it's it's quite a senior managerial position and it I is. think it's great that, you know, you're 29 and you have this amazing senior position. That's incredible. It is a bit of a different role though down here too because you get to be a senior reporter so it's mm-hmm. like you're wearing two hats all the time and it's I think a that, more intimate team as well which is good and it comes with a, a regional market which is what we are it's what yeah. the other warrior is you have two jobs and while I think I have a glorified position which is the music director at Wave FM I still have another job and it's still in that sense where it, you know I'm splitting my time like I'm half a manager, half a director, mm. half an announcer. It's the changing nature of the industry as well. They expect you to be able to do everything. Like now we're at risk of losing our jobs as reporters because you get the new lot of journalists that are coming through that aren't only journalists but they're videographers as well. Mm. So they're an all-in-one package deal where they can shoot, edit, write, voice their story. Oh, my gosh. So they're essentially doing four people's jobs at once. Wow. And the internet has made it even harder because they're wanting things as they break. Yeah. So it's not just about doing your research early in the morning, lining up your interviews, then maybe writing your script in the afternoon and then having it in at six. You're constantly telling your story and updating it as the day goes along. So you'll see with us in particular at nine that at eight o'clock you'll have your breaking news that will chase by 11 o'clock, if it's a big enough story, it'll go to our 11 o'clock news and we have to do a cross for them and that'll have sort of what's happening then and there and then we'll have the 4 o'clock news so we'll then have to bring the story forward again so you're still chasing and you're trying to get the latest interview or the exclusive interview and pictures so then by 4 you've got fresh content and then for 6 you need to have fresh content again. Oh my god! So you're constantly going, it's insane yeah. and, and that's because of the internet because we're uploading things to social media I also look after our social media as well we've got news 24-7 now so... It doesn't gosh. stop. <laughs> yeah. Do you kind of feel like sometimes that you're always on and you kind of always have to be? Oh, yeah. I'm never Even when off. you're not at work? Yeah. When I'm on holidays, I don't switch off either. You have to be on top of it. As a journalist, you have to have a love for news. And I mean, there will be times, don't get me wrong, when I've got a holiday on an island and there's a sandy beach and a cocktail in my hand and I will have the phone off. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to. You have yeah. to. Otherwise, you'll go insane. But if it's got a week off here at home, I won't switch off because you've still got to have your head in the game and Mm. know what's going on Mm -hmm. because things change and happen all the time and especially as a chief of staff you have to know Mm. I think if I was just a journalist coming in doing the story I've been told to do then I'd be able to switch off but you can't not in this role. (laughs) So how many holidays do you take around the Illawarra like will you mainly Um, go away so that you actually can switch off? Yeah I mean I make a point maybe once a year of going away somewhere New and exciting. Out of the Illawarra, new and exciting. I love hot 
beachy type places. So who doesn't? My I God, know. <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah, I'm dreaming of one right now. <laughs> but yeah, you do need to switch off. Oh, for sure. And I'm finding the same thing for me. Not so much chasing a story or anything, but I can't not listen to the radio when I'm driving or yeah. just to sort of see that everything's going okay and trying to keep up to date and I never know that what I'm going to have to talk about when I get into work so I have Mm. to listen to the breakfast show so it really is like I think the life of media is that it doesn't stop no the thing about it is you never know when you're going to be able to use whatever interaction or whatever thing that happens to you at some point see that's the thing at least um I can switch off when I get home and put on a bit of maths and (laughs) you have to have content of you know the life that's around you I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I feel like it's just, in a way, it's programmed into you. Yeah. Like, as a journalist, you're constantly chasing that story, I yeah, guess. Yeah, true, looking for the headline. Yeah. yeah. And does that drive you, your love of news? Definitely. It's definitely one of my drives. I think the truth is probably more. So either the truth of why something has happened or being the truth for people who don't have a voice. So telling the world of things that they wouldn't otherwise know. I mean, we get heckled all the time, you know, go get a better job or, mm. you know, the scum of the earth. We get it all the time. I think people don't realise that without us, they wouldn't know a lot of the stuff that is actually happening, the gritty things that people don't want to hear. That's what we're here for, to tell you about mm. what's going on. And yeah. you never really do think about that. Like, honestly, I... I didn't think about that until I took a journalism class in high school and I was like, oh, what, people don't like journalists? Why? Mm. And then it was like, oh, hang on, they're asking the questions that... No one else will ask. Yeah, and they need to be asked. Oh, people hate us. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not glamorous. Mm. I've had eggs thrown at my head. (laughs) I've been water-bombed. Actually, someone's tried to threaten to run me over. I've had my mic thrown at my head. (laughs) I've been told, um, you know, to go get a real job. It's not pretty. I got heckled today. I got someone knew my name. I had no idea who they were and mm. told me to get out of here. And I was like, okay, this is scary. <laughs> and what do you do in that situation? Like, how You have that- a thick skin. You can't be in this industry if you don't have a thick skin. And I mean, at the end of the day, I have a good job. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I've got a house. Mm. People can think what they want to hear. But if you're honest with yourself, then you've got no guilt about what you do. And at the end of the day, they're in a worse off situation than I am. That's yeah. why I'm there doing the story. <laughs> and how much of that self-awareness, like, when did that sort of come about to know that you oh, know that what you're doing? that came with age, I think. Just mm. maturity. And doing the story a couple of times because the first time that you're ever on, for instance, a murder scene or a serious car accident, don't get me wrong, it hits it hits home and it's really sad and it affects you. And it still affects me to this day, but I know how to channel that while I'm at work. I get into a bit of a tunnel vision and push out the emotion and it will hit maybe later on in the week where I'm at home and I might find myself agitated or emotional or, and I don't know why and I think back, oh, well, it's like a bit like post-traumatic stress almost. Mm. And what do you do about that? You sort of channel it in ways. So a way that I do it is I go to the gym. I find going in the afternoon is a good way to let the stress of the day out, go for walks, uh, spend time at the beach, spend time with your loved ones, put life into perspective a bit more. It sounds like it's a lot of action kind mm. of thing, like taking yourself away from whatever it is that's making you you know, feel that way and to go, okay, do some good stuff, 
spend time, you know, with family yeah. and let it all out in a positive way. Oh, but, otherwise you'd be curled up in a ball, mm, in a corner crying. No, fair enough. And I, I think it's very important to sort of recognise when yeah. you're not feeling okay and it's not the end of the world if you are feeling that way. We're all human at the end of the day. Mm. Um, even though people might think that we're monsters, this is our job. We have feelings and we feel what you're feeling. You know, I might be sitting in court and a criminal will come on the stand and then you hear about their horrible life story. I'm feeling for that person, but at the end of the day, they have done something criminally wrong and mm. against the law. My job is to report on that. And that's why you have to really channel your feelings and how you let that affect your work. Sounds like you've got to keep a bigger mind, you know, that bigger picture definitely. perspective on everything. Yeah, definitely. I never thought about that. Like, it, it's so much mental stuff that you've got to keep in mind every day, well, every yeah, story. Yeah, it's not only mentally draining because you're writing every day and that takes your mental capacity that way, but it's exhausting because it's emotionally draining as well and think that's the aspect people don't see because we're on TV, we've got our makeup, our hair done, nice clothes, we're speaking well, clear and concise and they're not actually seeing behind the scenes what actually affects us. And I mean, when a fire happens, we're running towards it. It's mm. against your human nature to run towards something, especially when it's potentially life-threatening. My gosh. You know, floods, the same thing. We run to the flood where there's the danger or a mm. car crash or on a highway. But you don't think about that in the moment. It's not until after or sometimes you get a, a moment where you stop. And I had that uh, recently when there were the fires uh, down south at Bombardier and Kayama. And it was a very windy day. And we were there as a grass fire began running up a hill and it was so windy and I actually went, this is probably the most dangerous situation I've ever been in. Wow. And you just sort of stop and think, oh, my God, holy crap. <laughs> what am I doing? Text my fiancé, I love you. <laughs> yeah. And it is. Like, I wouldn't even think about that until days later when you go, oh, holy crap, you know. And, and it's one of those things that, like, it's amazing to notice where you are in the moment and go, actually, what I just did was crazy, you know. Yeah. It's all hindsight. It's never, like, there in the moment when you go, oh, shit. Yeah, you let coming. the adrenaline take over, I think. Yeah. That helps you push through. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, okay. So let's move on because I think that's an amazing place to sort of leave your perspective of work and like mm. what, what you are and, and what you have and stuff. But like you were saying before that there really is like there's another side and people don't see that. Like what is that other side of you, you know, as a person? Yeah. You love stories. You love the drama. How do you switch off? How does that – what's the other side of that? Uh, you buy a house that you have to do up and then you spend every waking second away from work doing it up, painting, gardening. Yeah, right. And it must be. That brings you back down to reality, quick smart. <laughs> and the, the whole family times and whatnot. Yeah. My background's Italian, so I grew up with a very close family and we do family dinners with either side and spend a lot of time with them and we've got a really good group of friends that we'll catch up with once a week. I find time with people that you love. It's one of my favourite things to do. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> our past two years have been DIYing. So <laughs> every spare second has been poured into that. And that uses my other side of creativity. So I love to paint and decorate. And that's a whole nother fun game. And it's nice to sort of have that and that, that like opposite release sort of thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I love it. Cool. It's grounding. 
from an outsider's eyes, looking at your position in yeah. life, you know, you've got a house, a partner, your chief of staff, you know, you, you seem to have what I would consider successful. Like, do you consider yourself successful? I think that when you have a job that you love, you're healthy, you're happy, you got your family around you, that's success. Mm. I don't really see success in dollar form. I wouldn't be in this industry if it was for the dollar form, <laughs> as you would you appreciate. Yes. <laughs> and that's another misconception about this industry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So for me, at the moment in life, I would, yes, consider myself successful. And that doesn't mean because I have a house and I'm getting married and, you know, I'm chief of staff, but it's because of the simple things, you know, health, love and, well, happiness, job I do, I'm happy with, so. I would consider that successful, Yeah, you know, in any part. Where to next then if you seem to sort of... Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. The good thing about uh, weddings comes honeymoons and we're deciding to go to Europe. But as in in next step for my career or Or life? Life, life in general. Look, if it was up to my partner, we would be having kids yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But he knows quite well that I'm not very ready for that. (laughs) Kind of freaks me out a little bit. (laughs) But they're on the horizon sort of thing. Oh, it's definitely in the pipeline, I think. Like I've always wanted to have kids. But it's funny, you think that at a certain age that you'd be married, have kids and settle down. And it's sort of funny because I'm at 30, getting to 30, and everyone thinks that you need to have kids at a certain age because your ovaries might dry up. What age I don't know, you'd feel pressure about that? No, so I don't have the desire... Okay, I've seen kids, you know, little babies and kids and like hug their dad and I've gone, oh, that's so cute. I want that. But then there's no connection to be like, no, I actually want to start making change in my life. So that happens. Yeah. It's a nice contrast to know that like there's so many different women out there. You can design your life however you want. Yeah. And for you, it, it is that you've got building blocks to make everything settle down and and have that. It's funny. Everyone thinks that that's going to be our natural progression. Like we're getting jokes all the time. Oh, you're pregnant already, aren't you? Mm. You're getting married. Be pregnant within nine. Like you'll be, uh, you'll have a baby within nine months. And there's that real pressure. But then there's also that uncertainty because I've spent the last 10 years of my life dedicating myself to my job, which has been my baby. Mm. It's like, do I have room for an actual baby? <laughs> I don't know. And it's, you sort of have to give up. I mean, nine is a great place. They actually give opportunity to mums. So you'll see a lot of the women that are reporting at six o'clock and presenting every day their mums and it's really nice to know that I'm a part of a company now that actually gives that opportunity to women to come back and have job share Mm. um you know or work part-time so I feel comfortable in that sense but like I'm super clucky as soon as there's a baby I just want to hold it and give it kisses (laughs) even though I don't know the people whether I can have my own yet I'm not too sure Mm. it still kind of freaks me out a little Mm -hmm. bit I'm getting sweaty palms (laughs) mainly for me, my big reason for not being clucky at my age and, and not having that is because I don't have that family, that huge family. And I've got a family, you know, yeah. we all live in different states. We're all on the phone all the time. But do you reckon that maybe your position in life might have something to do with the mentality that you've been brought up with? Oh, 100%. Mm. You know, we're meant to be locked down, get married, have babies, <laughs> live in a big house. 
<laughs> if it was my parents' wishes in the same street. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. My grandparents lived one street away from us. My auntie, my mum's sister lived uh, the other street on the other side away from us and my wow. dad's sister literally lived next door. So I grew up <laughs> with my family literally living in my backyard. So you do feel that pressure. Has there ever been a want to move away from it, to rebel from it? Yeah, definitely. I think that's why it disappeared for a while. But you need that to sort of um, realise whether or not you want it as well. Mm. And I really appreciated family when I moved away. And it's funny because my brother's done the same thing. He's disappeared to Melbourne and um, he comes back now and he's like, oh, I really miss you guys when he didn't want a bar of us for a little bit. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's taking a step away to realise exactly what you have. I did the same thing. I never thought I was that close with my family. And Mm. then I lived in the UK and I came back and I was like, this is the greatest gift I've got the people in my life (laughs) mum dad I love you you oh look I was living at home until 23 23 was it that I moved away and mum did everything for me and here I am by myself in another state I had no internet I think I melted like the kitchen bench (laughs) within the first 24 hours I couldn't flat pack anything to save my life Wow. Now I am the flat pack queen. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I guess it comes with, you know, life experience. So it's Mighty Women in March, right? Yep. That's the feature that I'm calling it for ah. having all these women on. Not that I don't want to have women on any other time, but I thought it's a good way to kick off this sort of women feature because I'm a woman and I feel like it's nice to hear more stories about other women achieving. Yeah. And I think... Mighty, that's a big title. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd call you a mighty woman. Oh, damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about some of your women who you think are mighty that you maybe growing up, you might have thought they were mighty and you wanted to be like them or you just yeah. looked up to them. Career perspective, I've always had an absolute admiration for Georgie Gardner, Tara Brown, Lee Sales, all those strong, actually female... Powerhouses. Models in the industry, yeah. And it's funny, through working at nine and at seven, there's some great male role models as well that I really look up to, like Peter Overton. He's incredible. He actually fosters all the reporters there as well and Michael Usher that I had the privilege to work with. So they're people that I look up to and have looked up throughout my whole sort of life in this news world. Probably, Have you met any of them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. So um, Peter I work with a lot through work now mm-hmm. with Nine. So if I work up there on the weekends, which I regularly do, he'll be reading the news on a Sunday. Or if cool. I'm presenting, sometimes I fill in and present for regional news as well. Mm. He'll be in the makeup chair. It's very surreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And how, how hard is that? Like, Because I'm really good at making first impressions, right? Mm. But that whole like keeping up relationships with people who you kind of admire do you just again have to put it all in a box and go okay this is we'll do the job and then we'll talk later kind of Mm. thing like how does that sort of play out for you oh I quietly fangirl inside I die inside (laughs) good I'm not the other one (laughs) and I'm actually by nature a shy person I think it's I wouldn't have got that yeah through school I was really shy like I never did drama or anything like that I think it's something it's a skill I've developed to be able to communicate with people as I've gone on I remember the first sort of few years of my working life 
to make a phone call was the biggest deal. I would, like, hours would go by and I still hadn't called someone to line up an interview because I was petrified to talk to them and what they'd think. So, yeah, it's definitely a skill that I've developed um, to have confidence in myself. But in those sorts of situations, yeah, you kind of have to fangirl on the inside and then just pretend that you're, ha- you're holding it together in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then 30 seconds of courage yet on the 30 outside. 30 seconds of courage and just yeah. be like, hi, my name's Natasha. <laughs> nice. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from work, mm. I think one of the strongest role models I've had is my mother because she has been somebody who has been essentially the glue of our family and she gave up her working life to be a stay-at-home mom, to foster my brother and I so we could get to be where we wanted to be and then she's now working full-time once again and got back into teaching which she loves and has really succeeded so she sort of has taught me that you can make sacrifices to have that family life but it doesn't end there because I think a lot of girls or women think that you have to give up everything to become a mom and you have to do that and there's no life after being a mom and you can't still achieve your goals Mm -hmm. but she's really taught me that work still be there you know that other part of life will still be there you've still got to work hard to get it there mm-hmm. and she has um i love that That's, but don't be scared yeah it's so powerful because mm. you really don't think there is life after kids no but your mum is just that shiny example of life after kids. That's yeah. amazing. And I've got a best friend who's just had two and she's a weather presenter. She, I worked with her up in Queensland and she's done exactly that. She's had her two girls. I mean, was screaming like schoolgirls on the phone when she got a gig at nine in Melbourne. So she was able to jump back into it as well. And I remember she just thought, um, you know, I'm old. I'm not going to be able to get in there anymore. I was looking at other avenues. But another example, life doesn't end. You can still go for it. What would you tell your 21-year-old self? (laughs) Where were you at 21? Oh, where was I at 21? I'm pretty sure I did a girl's trip to Europe, (laughs) which may have been the last time I was there. I don't know if it's been that long. (laughs) Yeah, definitely time to go back then. Yeah, yeah. 21, single, fresh out of uni, just into my first job, thinking I was invincible. I'd probably, the first word that came up, and I didn't even have to think, was Mm. be kind. Mm. But not just be kind as in be kind to people in generosity, which is probably, it was a word that kind of resonated with me because I feel like I still need to work on it a little bit. But be kind to yourself because I think at 21, life's go, go, go and you feel like you need to be, I know for me, I was trying to get in the industry and working really hard and doing a lot of free overtime and getting paid peanuts. But something that I probably wish that I'd taken on board was just be kind to yourself. Don't expect too much of yourself. It'll come with time. You know, had some dirty partners as well in life at a younger age that sort of shaped me as I am now as well. And I probably wasn't kind to myself through those relationships. Putting other people first, sometimes you've got to put yourself first. I would argue that at all times you've got to put yourself first. Mm. And then because when you're okay, you can then make other people be okay or like True. help them. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, that's probably coming with not being a mum. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I feel like if you're kind to people as well every day, there's mm. no reason for them to hate you back or 
or if they do, then you know it's not your fault. Mm. Like it goes beyond just generosity. and mm. It's knowing that you're a good person. Knowing if- you're a good person, yeah. And your wise words to live by. I feel like your dads were pretty big on oh, that one. You got no. any more though? It was funny. Like it's so cliche, but do a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. Um, 30 seconds of courage. Yeah, they were probably the two that stood out to me. But 30 seconds of courage I live by all the time. I really like that. I think I want to start using that because it really just takes you 30 seconds to go out there and try something new. Yeah, it takes 30 seconds to go up to someone and say, hey, Mm. I'm Natasha. Nice to meet you. Mm. And it could be that instant connection that, you know, you then build a relationship that will then connect you to somebody else, be it for work or fun or anything. So, Mm. yeah, you can use it in anything, even when you're trying new food. 30 seconds of courage. (laughs) I'm like this frog leg. (laughs) You find out they're not actually that bad. This is called Screaming, where I'm sharing with you a collection of the most random phone calls that I have got. Now, I've decided to turn it into a bit of a game to see how long I can keep the conversation going. It's a personal test for me because I want to get better at doing accents and and putting on voices. So I've come up with some characters. Now, you can suss the full list of characters at tiffanyrouge.com forward slash misadventurous. Have a look for the show notes. There will be a full list there, but I wanted to share with you just the startups, you know, give you a bit of an idea of how these phone calls go. There's definitely a structure to it. A lot of them have happened and I've gone, I just don't want a bar of it. So you'll see as the weeks continue, this will emerge and it will grow into me putting myself out there and trying to actually put on voices and see how long I can keep the person on the phone and keep this conversation going as the separate character. So wish me luck. Here goes. Yes, sir. Uh, hi, uh, good afternoon. I speak with George uh, Abdullahad, please. Hello? Hello? Hello, ma'am? How are you? <laughs> yeah, good. I don't... I haven't signed up to a gym lately, so I'm not quite sure. Maybe someone's put in my phone number for a oh, quote okay. online. Is, is this Felicity? Nope. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Uh, they've put the wrong number in then. Alrighty. Sorry about that. If you'd no like worries. a seven-day pass, there's one here for you. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm a member of a different gym, so thank you. Alrighty. Not a problem. Bye. Bye. Hello? Hi there. It's Sam from the Geelong Cats. How are you? Good. That's good. Um, are you the best person to chat to in regards to gyms, um, McKeague's membership? No. Okay. Has it got the wrong number, perhaps? Yeah. Don't know a Jim McKee? Don't know a Jim McKee. Don't even know what sport the Geelong Cats play. Oh, are you kidding? AFL? Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> no, no dramas. That's fine. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thanks. See ya. Hi, it's Val. Is that you? No, I'm sorry. Who? Is that the Italian lady that walks the dog? No. Definitely you don't live the avenue? No. Because I got a missed call off this number. Yeah. I just thought it was... Nah. Oh, oh my apologies. Okay, bye. Nah. 
So that is called Screaming. It's just a little teaser intro. Stick around for next week's episode to find out where I go with it. Well, that's almost it from me here on Misadventurous. If you dig what you hear and want to keep up to date with every single episode of the Misadventurous podcast, hit subscribe however you're listening to this right now. And if you want to be even more of a legend and help other wayward adventurers find this path, I'd love it if you head on over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. Go on, five stars for all that positivity, right? So until next time, and don't forget, it's the small choices that we make every single day that build up to that big change that you're working towards. So stay with it.